following program contains language and subject matter that is adult in nature. Discretion is advised. Okay, there we go. This is Ugly Phil. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. I don't know if you saw TV last night, but everyone's raving this TV show, The Briefcase. So I thought we'd talk TV and how low it could go with social commentator, ready and TV celebrity, Rachel Corbett. Good, Good to be back on the show. Well, thank you very much. Don't expect to get paid. I don't know if I mentioned that before. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Did you hear anything about this controversial show last night called The Briefcase, which people are dubbing as poverty porn? I have heard a few bits and pieces about the fact that a couple of uh, households were given the option of taking away 100000 dollars or something. It seemed like it was going to be a bit of a disaster to me so I didn't bother watching. Did I make a mistake? I didn't see it either. However, I've been reading the fallout from the press and it seems as though a lot of people have claimed that it's exploitation, which I find a little hard to believe from television. The genre of exploitation has become the most popular genre in the whole of television. This All we do is exploit people now, isn't it? I think that's the case and if you don't win, you get to go home. So now in the tradition, I want to run this by you. I haven't told you yet about this new show that's in America. But in the tradition of, you've heard of Seven Year Switch? Yes. Married at First Sight? Yes. Right, Kiss Bang Love? Yes. It's pretty much the same kind of theme, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's all the same. Do you want to know a little secret, Phil? Please. I actually uh, ended up accidentally living with one of the Married at First Sight people. (laughs) How the hell does that happen? She uh, answered an ad and came into my home and then told us a month afterwards she was going to be on television soon and it turned out being Married at First Sight. So I knew the entire way through that she didn't end up with the bloke at the end, but I didn't tell a soul because I can keep a secret. How can you keep a secret like that? I mean, it's like the Da Vinci Code. I know. I'm pretty amazed at myself. I was patting myself on the back on a day. I should have just rung into your show and given you the scoop. I would have liked that. You know, I need as much press as I can get. Let me tell you about... Are you ready for this? I am. Go. Sex Box. What's that? Okay, it's a chat-style talk format with a couple of relationship experts. A couple are dispatched to have sex in a box which looks like a shipping container in the middle of the studio. While they're in there doing it, the audience sort of talks to each other and a relationship expert will give some advice about healing and stuff like that. It's soundproof, so you can't see them. So then they emerge from the sex box wearing the silky pyjamas that they're given. When was silk sexy? (laughs) When? In what world was silk ever sexy except for bad porn films? Well, there's your answer right there. This is like bad porn TV. So then... Afterwards, they disclose how long the couple spent in the sex box from 17 minutes and 29 seconds to 31 minutes and 49 seconds. They also talk about angles, techniques, and who orgasmed first. Is there a camera inside? No, you just get to, you know, so they can brag about it, I guess. I mean, there's no actual proof of it. Oh, as if anybody is going to tell the truth. What's going to happen is they're going to walk into a shipping container. They're going to be blisteringly terrified. He's going to go in about two minutes, and they're going to come out and pretend it was 45 minutes. And what's really going to happen is that the two of them are just going to sit in there in the dark, staring at each other, waiting until the clock ticks, and then walk out pretending it was great. Here's the great bit at the end in a MasterChef-style card-scoring element. They get to score the other team's performance. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Unfortunately, the show has been canned in America. Do you think we need this? Hell no. We do not need to see people in a shipping container. In silk pajamas. having 
sec. Have we not gotten to the end where we have officially jumped the shark and we can all say, okay, let's pack up the reality TV bag. We've done it all. Let's ship the shipping container off. We do not need people boning in front of a live audience. Well, that's what I wanted to hear because I consider you to be the soothsayer of the small screen. And if you say that's too far, I'm taking that as gospel. I am really happy to have that as my credentials. Can I put that on a business card? Sure can, if you can fit soothsayer on anything. I'll give it a try. (laughs) Rachel, great to touch you. Rachel Corbett in the rubber room at Triple M. All right, it's a metal birthday. We've got a birthday celebration for someone here. Take it away. Happy birthday to Joseph Michael Joey Kramer, the drummer from Aerosmith, and one of the richest drummers in the world, apparently, was born on this day back in 1950 in the Bronx in New York City, which makes him a meatballs kind of man. Happy birthday. Well done, Joey Kramer. You're listening to the Rubber Room Podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. Did you know that there are 7 billion people on Earth? Really? 239,000 of those are called Bernard Fanning. Really? However, there's only one Bernard Fanning we care about. And here he is in the Rubber Room. How are you, mate? I'm well, thank you. Nice to have you here as the Triple M Record of the Week. I don't know if you knew that. I did, actually, yes. You've probably been longing to see the sash, but I haven't actually. I don't think we have a sash for Record of the Week. No, it's a crown. (laughs) Is it a crown? Okay, well, I wasn't expecting that, so there you go. (laughs) With this latest album, Piano Driven with... Maybe a slight political bent as well, would that be fair? Not so much with the political bent. There is one song on there, the very last song Mm. on there has that emphasis, Belly of the Beast, yeah. I mean, I I intended to write a record that was acoustic guitar and pianos, basically. That was kind of the the intention in the beginning. There ended up being a few more rock songs on there than I intended, (laughs) to be honest, but they kind of just fall out sometimes. The idea of the record initially was that it was a 10 song, like an LP. We ended up with a lot more than 10 songs. And we were having trouble kind of working out what was going to be the best way to sequence it and what to leave off. I was talking with my manager and he said, well, why don't you make another one? A companion piece? Yeah, kind of, yeah. So that's what we're doing. So when you write songs when they're piano-based, is the emphasis more than on the lyrics? I think so, and that was part of the idea, because the last record I made, I intentionally kind of stepped away from that. I wanted to get back to that again this time, because departures had gone away from it literally i wanted to get back to writing songs that their genesis was with timber with wood acoustic guitars pianos etc really natural sounding record i suppose that's kind of what i was trying to do and i think that's where we ended up too you know looking at the album cover and then i saw the video with it i thought it had a 70s throwback perhaps a 70s feel to it is that you looking back at days of yore and innocent times not so much i mean it's kind of been a coincidence that the artwork has that feeling to it i guess as well as the video i i wrote the video people actually posting a letter you know there'll be young people looking at that going what the hell's that red thing writing a letter (laughs) and then posting it yeah and then the postie being on a bike and doing the lamest jump ever Mm -hmm. and a little tiny skid 
and, and whatever. The Sandman and, and all Sandman that, yeah. And all that stuff. So, I mean, it's not intentionally retro in any way. Right. It's not for retro purposes. It's just what we wanted to make. It's yeah. what we felt like doing, you know? Yeah, of course. The new album's called Civil Dusk. Can you tell us a bit about this album? It's nothing like any record we've made before, and especially in the way that we made it. I mean, we didn't have any time pressure for starters. Most of the time we would get into the studio in the morning, drink tea or coffee for an hour and eat a donut, maybe talk about what Emeril Barici had been talking about on Late Line the night before <laughs> and usually some dick-headed thing that Donald Trump had been talking yeah, about. Yeah, okay. Um, then we would kind of maybe move on to watching an Earth, Wind and Fire video on YouTube or something. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there was a lot of just Do you muck- remember? Yeah. <laughs> There's quite a bit of mucking around going on. So we really fell into making the record in a lot of ways because we'd set up a studio, but it's not in a, in a music studio. It's just in a pool house. It's a thing that's next to a pool on this property. That yeah. we're on. It's really fresh. That's why we kept so much of it is that it sounds really alive. It wasn't overthought and it wasn't overdone. It's and an enjoyable experience by the sound. Oh, really. it's, yeah. it's the best time I've ever had in the studio by miles, by absolute miles. There's a new album coming out as well, the second part of this. Do they work together? Is it? Yeah. Right. That's the idea. We're, I mean, there was a lot of material there. I didn't think that the 10 songs kind of told the whole story. So yeah. I, w- I wanted to just keep going. I needed to kind of complete the story or else it didn't feel like it was going to be finished. I mean, we could have just left it to hang over for a year and then released another record separately, I guess, and kind of made it a continuation. But it feels like they should be together. In a Donald Fagan AM, PM kind of scenario, pre-lunch and after-lunch version of the album. (laughs) Imagine imagine being as good as Donald Fagan. He did that on one album, didn't he? The AM and PM sides. There is a lot of wankery involved in a lot of that prog stuff that happened in the 70s. But it's also kind of awesome. I mean, given the kind of cookie-cutter music that's around oh, now yeah, yeah. And, and that idea that you could actually go, okay, you know what, I'm going to conceptualise an album. Not only am I going to conceptualise a single, because that's what the music industry is kind of based on now is songs, I'm going to actually take it to the ultimate extreme and I'm going to put 20 songs out. <laughs> <laughs> so, With so, slides yeah, as well. If you yeah, come to the show, yeah. an explanation between each even, song. There might even be an overhead projector. <laughs> this is yeah. your quadrophenia, by yeah. Great to see you, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Phil. You're listening to The Rubber Room Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at The Rubber Room AU. The British Association of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons are doing a thing now for men. It's the latest in male grooming. It's called the Scrotal Lift. And I've got the clinical director on the phone from the UK from Bella Vu Cosmetic Surgery and a man with possibly the greatest and most fitting name for his profession ever. Firstly, this. Swing low, sweet Roger Bigwood is actually on the phone, and that is actually not a made-up name. No, it's not made up. Had it since birth, it was handed down by some loving parents, so uh, <laughs> I think they were a bit innocent. This is, I guess a lot of people would consider, the next big thing in male grooming. This is for men who have scrotums or testicles that are hanging too low. Wobbling to and fro is, is a concern for some men. And purely aesthetic reasons as well, because people want to get this particular area sorted out. But I've read, and I was interested in this, that the number of men undergoing cosmetic procedures has more than doubled in the past 10 years. 
So really, it was a matter of time before this particular procedure was called for. That's right. I mean, obviously, cosmetic surgery is something that's been on on the increase for a good number of years now, and for good reason. Many people that have decided to go beyond the typical skincare regime that they may have followed for many years, their expectation is that they will hang on to their youthful looks for longer. And, and that is no different than someone who perhaps decides to take a, a non-surgical or a surgical approach to tackling a problem of uh, an area of concern. Uh, nobody wants to be slack in the sack. Is it called a scrotoplasty? Is that the official medical term? That's right. A, a scrotoplasty or a scrotum uplift mm. or a tightening or reduction. Other names or colloquial term, perhaps a ball lift. It entails just um, literally reducing the excess skin of the scrotum, pulling that up so that it gives the appearance of someone that's younger. The reasons why people have it typically may be as a result of through genetics or gravity being more slack there than what they would like and what they were used to. But it also had medical implications and also in terms of sports too. I always grew up with a phrase of the California nut roll and and, and that was something that just where your two testicles there just were kind of fighting for room and one would roll over the other and that kind of nasty pain that as a result came. And so having too much skin to hang around there, just lack of support just encourages I think that even more. So it's not just aesthetics, it's not just vanity, it's not just people's confidence that it really tackles, but also not getting in the way. And a nice use of the word tackle as well. Thank you for getting that in there. Yeah. Uh, not to be confused, <laughs> incidentally, with ball ironing, which is something entirely different, isn't it? Uh, that's right. That's more of a facial for the scrotum skin, kind of ironing that, getting rid of the deeper lines and crevices that are, are, are there. I would say that's probably entirely cosmetic purposes as to why that's had. Sure. Hang on, I'll get you to hang on there a second. I want to talk more. You okay out there? I'm feeling a bit queasy. You do look a bit queasy. Would it help for me to tell you that uh, George Clooney recently had some ball ironing? Does that help? It really doesn't help me, Doesn't no. help at all. Okay, I thought I'd have to ask that. If you can pardon the obvious pun here, this just ain't for the old fella as well. They're not just all old guys that will come in for this. The genetics has an impact here. It's not just gravity too. Now this, as you mentioned, does involve the use of the scalpel. And I'd like to point out if there was ever an area in the world that didn't need a yeah. knife near it, it's right down there but it's got to be done what do you actually do and how much does it cost in sterling 2800 pounds so about five grand yeah so if we're running at almost two to the pound then Mm. yes about five five and a half it's a local anesthetic procedure there's none of the risks inherent with a general anesthetic the guy will come in and it will just numb him up it is not painful i mean we really are just dealing with the excess skin there so You've got the scrotum obviously regulates uh, its heat through muscles there, and we don't want to impact on any of those processes, uh, affect fertility. So we're really just dealing with the scrotum skin, and we follow that scene, uh, that same existing scene, reduce the skin and the webbing, then stitch that back up um, so that it, it looks identical in terms of, of where that scene originally lay. So, I um, mean, it takes about an hour. I wouldn't want to end up like Tony Montana to use a phrase from the movie Scarface, say hello no. to my little friend. I mean, you don't want the scar there, but you don't have one, do you? No, the scar will sit in the existing scene. That skin heals very well. Obviously, it's very adaptable skin too. This is a procedure that I won't need, and I'm actually suffering a little bit from scrotal <laughs> lift envy, but, uh, you know, uh, I guess this is also one occasion where I'm probably happy that my marbles never grew up. <laughs> you know, this isn't something that will be a surprise really when you think of it just on the pragmatic point. Our testicles begin their descent in puberty. That's something that just continues on throughout our life. Why be a low rider when you can be a high riser? I say. 
Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Roger. Great to have a chat with you. I well, have a great evening over there. There you go. Scrotal lift, a gift for your dad, perhaps, on Father's Day or, you know, for your husband. <laughs> uh, is this working? <laughs> Testy, testies? <laughs> testies? <laughs> this is Ugly Phil. Triple M, the rubber room. Gazzo, so they did a survey in the UK for the UK Father's Day, which happened last weekend, for the top 10 dad karaoke songs. The songs that dad likes to sing at karaoke, and the winner was... Oasis Wonderwall, with 32% of the votes. It wow. beat Blur's Park Life. Yeah. Never thought of that as a dad song, really. No, I haven't. Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, which came in at number three. David Bowie was on there with Heroes, Beatles, mm. Hey Jude, Stones, mm. I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Well, you'd sing that if you were a dad, wouldn't you? <laughs> Spandau Ballet's True was on there. Uh, 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 and Meatloaf, you took the words right out of my mouth. Killers, Mr. Brightside, Billy Joel. Uptown girl, she be living in her uptown world. Proclaimers 500 miles? Daniel. Looks like Daniel. Okay, out of all of that, do you know what I'm going to play? Angels by Robbie Williams. No, close. I'm going to play the metal version of the Proclaimers 500 miles. <laughs> oh, now this i got to hear. Oh, and by the way, you know how I was talking about the scrotal lift before? Well, Stuart sent me an email. Phil, you were talking about scrotal lifts. I found this. I thought you might like it. I do like it. It's the scrotal lift song. Down at an English fair, one evening I was there. When I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare, yeah. I bought a lovely bunch of coconuts. <laughs> there they are standing in their row. One small one, some as big as head. Give him a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the chairman said. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Thank you, Stuart. Every ball you throw will make me rich. I think, anyway. There stands me wife, the idol of me life. Sing and rarely bear a ball, a penny a pip. You're listening to the Rubber Room Podcast. Find us on facebook.com forward slash MMM Rubber Room. Bit of a tough day because I got a fine that I didn't realise I had that I had to pay. You know how these things... Because now my credit rating's screwed, right? Now I'm never, ever going to be able to buy a $1 million mansion on the harbour. Oh, opportunity lost because I forgot to pay a fine. And I know it's my fault and it's no fault of the guy that works at the fine collections office, but bugger it. If my day's screwed, I'm going to screw his. Hi, mate. It's Phil here at Triple M. Is this the place to pay the fine? Yes, it is. Right, i got a traffic fine here. Okay. Uh, if you can just give me your infringement number. Right, yeah. 410... Okay, yeah. Okay. All right. So how much are you going to be paying today? Do I have to pay the full $300? Ideally, yes. You need to pay the full 300 okay. today. Okay. We can give that to your credit card if that's all right. Okay, yeah, sure. And your number is? Did you know in the movie Fight Club, Edward Norton is actually Brad Pitt? No, I didn't know that. And in the movie Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis was actually dead? No. In the movie Usual Suspects, Kevin Spacey was Kaiser Soze too, by the way. 
All right. And in the movie Seven, Gwyneth Paltrow's head was in the box. Yeah, right. Guy Pearce killed his wife in the film Memento. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, uh, no. And Anthony Perkins is actually his mother in the film Psycho. Oh, yeah, okay. Were those last three digits 108? Yeah, that's right, yep. Okay, yep. So that's full 300 bucks, which I could have probably used on something else. I didn't even realise I'd committed the offence. bit like Christian Bale in the movie American Psycho, you know. He imagined it all. Didn't actually happen. Yeah, right. And in the movie Planet of the Apes, the planet was actually Earth. People didn't realise that. Oh, yeah, sure. Right, yep. Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father in Star Wars, too, by the way. Yeah, right. All right, Phil, that's uh, gone through. The payment's been accepted. Thanks for your call. Thanks, mate. The new world's scariest movie of all time has been released. It's called The Conjuring 2. Do you know when the voice is going to speak? Sometimes. Does it ever say things just to you that you can only hear? Yes. Horrifying. A man has died while watching the film. A 65-year-old watching The Conjuring 2 in India. This is a film about the Enfield haunting in the 1970s. When the movie got to one of the scariest parts, the man began having chest pains. He fainted. He took, got taken to the hospital, but he died. Here's the bizarre twist. The body's gone missing. So too the guy that took the body. What's happened to that? I'll tell you where that body is right now. In the belly of the beast in the odious halls of Beelzebub himself. Apparently the cause of the death remains unknown, but I'm saying it's because of the film. And a couple of weeks ago, a guy returned to his uh, hotel room with his girlfriend after seeing the film in Malaysia, and they looked up on their bathroom mirror, and there was a crucifix up there, just sitting up there in the mist, and nobody knows how it got there. I'll tell you how bloody it got there, mate. The damn Conjuring too. Scariest movie ever, The Exorcist, although you were saying, Sammy X, that for you, The Exorcist wasn't that scary. No, it's just a bit silly, really. (sighs) You're cray, man. You're cray, Yeah, it's cray. not scary. You're just right. a wuss. Apparently, the following is supposed to be really good as well. I'm opening up the phone on this. one triple three five three four. the scariest movie of all time. Or perhaps any new ones that we haven't heard about as well. Any for you, the scariest movie of all time? I know for you it was Weekend at Bernie's because you didn't realise until the end that Bernie was dead. Uh, I've never seen that movie, <laughs> incidentally. Um, the scariest movie that I've ever seen was The Ring. Oh, with Naomi Watson, the girl that fell down the well. And oh, that was so scary. Yeah. I actually cried. You had to watch the video or something. Yeah, and, it was yeah. just really scary with like a hair all over her face. Yeah, and... that's bad. I mean, like if you were a hairdresser and you saw that film, you wouldn't like it. Maybe that's why I was scared. That's it. One triple three five three. So any new, really scary horror mo- movies that you've seen that we don't know about? Or perhaps you can just join in with me and go The Exorcist. Dave, scariest film of all time, apart from your wedding video, of course. Yes, it was. and I, I can never watch it again. So what have you got? I, I'm going to go to the Poltergeist movie where the house comes alive. Right. Now, which one was that? Was that the one with, what's her name, Drew Barrymore? Uh, no, it had uh, the lady who played Margot Kidder. It was an old one. Uh, she was the first Lois Lane Superman with Christopher That's right. Reeves. Yeah, went sleeping on people's couches for a while there. So are you not thinking of the Amityville horror? Amityville, that's the one, you're thinking, yeah. yeah. That's where I got Drew Barrymore for. Now you're talking about a scary no, film. Drew Barrymore was Firestarter. Yeah. Okay, there Amityville we go. horror. Freaky. They remade that, though, and it was terrible. Yeah, because Ryan Reynolds was in it, and he kept his shirt on. Yeah, a bit like Matthew McConaughey when he leaves his shirt on, too. It's scary <laughs> when he decides not to take it off. <laughs> what do you got, Darren? Ah, Shazam. 
Shazam? What's that? It's a 90s version of Aladdin. Like, uh, some kid finds a, a genie bottle and rubs it, of course, and um, the genie's uh, Shaquille O'Neal. But the scary part <laughs> about the movie is Shaquille O'Neal's acting. Yeah, okay. Thank you. <laughs> John, you agree with me on this, don't you? I do, indeed. The pea soup, the spinning head. The Exorcist. When I saw this, I was 17 years of age, and this is without a word of a lie. For about three years afterwards, I slept with a Bible under my pillow. Yeah, definitely The Exorcist. And Freaked I'm old enough out. like you to know that I've seen the rest, yeah. that it was the best. And you know what? When they compare those to slasher movies, there is no comparison, in my opinion. No, there's no comparison, because it's in your head. Yeah, of course. It's and you, no matter what you head. think, you go, this makes common sense that I wouldn't be possessed by the devil That's tonight. Right. Even when you're lying you in bed, you think... I'm frightened of 10-year-old girls. <laughs> 12-year-old girl. That's it. So we've got 50 wine glasses filled with different variations and different levels of water. And that's because Sarah's here. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming into the Rubber Room. And you've been travelling Australia as part of this festival. How's that been going? So well. We're so excited to be here. All right, we've got the glasses here as well. Can you tell me a little bit about playing musical instruments on glass? Sure. I have here 50 wine glasses containing water. Okay, does it always have to be water? Can it be wine? Probably not wine because you'll get pissed, right? Well, I start drinking it and it throws the levels off. Yeah, exactly. You've suddenly got the completely different song. That's right. And so you've got 50. Does it have to be precisely 50? Yeah, I'm a perfectionist. (laughs) Anything less, I just can't get the right notes. Right, okay. And how long have you been doing this for? Oh, about 15 years. Wow, okay. How did you realise that you had this talent to play the wine glass? Were you pissed one night and you (laughs) have a lot of ice? started out because I didn't want to do karaoke and this was my alternative. Okay. It just turned into something that I love doing. Did you ever expect to be able to make a career and travel the world in your glass playing? I sensed I might. Right, okay. And I've got one here as well. So what do you do? You wet the, the top of it. You've given me one to have a play with. And then you just run your finger around the edge. I'm not, oh, there it is. Oh, beautiful. So does it have to be at any particular speed? I think, no, you've got it. Nailed. And I know you did say I've got to be careful with this, otherwise it could break. And I don't want that to happen, right? Just the right amount of pressure. Perfect. Wow, look at that. Okay, I'll let you go and stand over there. And hopefully we'll be able to... We've got a microphone specifically to be able to pick this up. So um, if you can go over there, we're going to hear a bit of Stairway to Heaven. Now, are all the glasses juiced up? They're ready to go. All right. Okay, do we have the right amount of water on each one? Very important. Right, okay. Let's go. Okay, Stairway to... And what key is this going to be in? You weren't expecting that question, were you? Key? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay, so the warm-up's happened. Okay. She's had to move back from the microphone a bit. Can you still hear me over this? Yes. Wow, you go really fast too, don't you? Yeah, I've got to concentrate. And I'm surprised at how long the ring... Oh, that was good. The ring lasts a while. It's quite a good bit of... Does the water help with the echo? Yeah, how good is it? It's brilliant. Do you play lots of other songs? This is my favourite. It's my favourite too. That's fantastic. Wow. Well done. Thank Congratulations. You. Thank you very Let's much. fill them up with wine and try another <laughs> trick. You're listening to the Rubber Room Podcast. 
You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. Let me ask you this, because I'm about to open the phones, and this was a subject of discussion around the office earlier on today. Who's a better band, Guns N' Roses or Metallica? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, jeez. That is going to open up a whole can of worms. A bit of whoop-ass. I'm going to say Metallica, and I'm going to stick by that, probably because well, I'm a bigger fan of Metallica than Guns well, N' Roses. I'm a bigger fan of Guns N' Roses than, okay. than, than Metallica, so I, I have to take the Guns N' Roses camp. Right, well, let's but see how we go with this. this is going to be a tough one. Well, this, this is, is who's a, a better band in terms, I guess, of music, of songs, of technical ability, of appeal oh, across the board. God. So, again, oh. I'm, I'm still going to take... I'm going to still take Metallica. It, it was like when you did Midnight Oil versus Chisel. Yeah. I mean, God, Chisel won that hands down, so we'll see how we go here. All right, okay. Open up the phone on this. One triple three five three, and I'm going to definitely take Metallica because I think they're a better band. The Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction was fantastic. Sammy X, were you Metallica. part of this? You're going to be down the Metallica route? Yes, I am. Metallica wow, all the way, please. Totally. All right, what about you? One triple three five three. How are you, Gav? Good, thanks, Ugly Phil. How are you going? Who are you taking? I'm taking Gunners. I'm, I'm actually the drummer for the Australian Guns N' Roses show, so I have to be biased in that regard. Yes, you are very biased. I mean, if you were the drummer for the Metallica show, who would you take them? I don't know. I'd have to be Lars, so... Yeah, it'd that's it. Tough, it'd still be a tough call. All right, I'm going to put you down for a Gunners. No worries. Joel! Yeah, Phil? We've got Gunners in the lead at this stage. Uh, Metallica, mate. It's got to be Metallica. What are you saying, Nathan? I'll probably listen to more Gunners, but I've uh, got to pick Metallica as a better band because I don't have an arrogant douche as a lead singer. Thank you. Where are you going with this, Matt? I said I love the Gunners, but Metallica by a long shot. You can't, you can't get past Metallica. That's what I'm talking about. Daryl, it looks like Metallica are going to take this out. Oh, I don't think so, mate. It's got to be Gunners. I like them both, but you're making me choose, man, and I've got to take Gunners. Well, the choice has got to be made. This is bigger than Brexit. This is bigger than the election in Australia. This is who are the better band. Luke. Mate, Metallica. The song is one. It's got to be. Yeah. You know what? If Metallica win, I'm going to find something we haven't played in ages. Mate, it's got to be. you got to do it. Craig, is this one for Metallica? Oh, what are you, crazy? Is this even a realistic question? <laughs> okay. It has to be, hands down, guaranteed, the Gunners. Adam, is this going to be the Gunners? No, mate. Metallica shits all over Gunners. Who are you taking, Sharon? Metallica, 100%. All right, you're going to take some more calls on this. How's it looking in the voting at this particular stage on the exit polls? <laughs> the exit polls are saying that Metallica are, like, way ahead of Gunners. Really? Okay, one triple three five three. We'll take calls for the next five minutes. The Rubber Room Facebook page has exploded with people telling us who's the better band, Metallica or Guns N' Roses, at MMM Rubber Room, if you want to get involved in that. Hello, Zach Ashton, Brian Hansen, and Patrick McAuliffe as well. <laughs> Callum Stewart and Cameron McPhee, how are you going? Andrew Hamill, Dave Fowl, they can't believe it. People can't believe this is even a question. How can this be possible, people are asking? Because it is, because we need to find out who the hell is the better band. God damn it, Rachel Fleming, how are you? Leighton uh, Rand as well. Dylan Crow, Michael Rowell says, well, Guns N' Roses are the ladies band and Metallica for guitar heroes. Who are you going to vote for? you got about three minutes. Let's go live to the UK, though, with our Rubber Room correspondent at Glastonbury. Leon, how are you, man? Good, mate. How are you? How's the mud? It's deep. It's pretty deep. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's, there's a lot of going around. So I'll ask you quickly about Brexit, which is the UK's exit from uh, the EU. Has there been much talk about that at Glastonbury? Look, there has. I'm actually sitting around my camp right now, and uh, right behind us is a uh, Europe flag. Um, I have seen a few people talking about it. There is a whiteboard um, that was just surveying people um, around Glastonbury, and uh, the majority are saying uh, to stay. 
Oh, okay. It'll be interesting to see the result of that. Now, some more important stuff. So it's day one today. You've got Muse, uh, you've got Foles, ZZ Top. It looks like a pretty good lineup for day one. Actually, that's happening tomorrow. That's it's tomorrow, of course. Time zone, Phil. Come on. What day are you? Oh, of course. Where am I? Exactly. It's I've got ahead of myself. No, you know what I mean? Still, <laughs> it's kind of the relaxing day where everyone gets their, uh, their roundabouts where they are. Uh, but tomorrow, yeah, Muse, uh, Foles, Disclosure, Jack Garrett, uh, uh, a whole lot more. Actually, there's a lot of rumours around because there's a few surprise acts that appear tonight. Uh, and there's a rumour that uh, DMAs are going to be here. Oh, really? That'd be fantastic. I saw them out here last as well. So that's happening tomorrow. On Saturday, you've got the last Shadow Puppets. They're a fantastic band. You've got to go and see them. Definitely. They are on my list to go see. Um, the big thing here is there's so many clashes. So it's um, And it's such a big festival. You can't really go, I'll see a bit of them and run across to uh, another stage. You've got to commit and make your choices. So I think uh, Last Shadow Puppets will be uh, on the list, as well as uh, Madness and a band called Wolf Alice, which uh, um, I'm not sure if we're hearing much of them over there, but they're really good. Okay, and also bringing you The Horizon and the editors too, who are a great band. I'd like to recommend them. Uh, New Order, who played here recently, were brilliant too, so make sure you don't miss them if you get the chance. And also have a look at Catfish and the Bottleman. Interested to see how they sound. Yeah, no, I think uh, Catfish and the Bottleman have got a, a lot of fans over here. Um, they'll be seeing a few of fans down there watching them. Um, as well as that, look, you'll love this, Phil. There's a lot of uh, tribute acts happening this um, this week. Uh, Hot Chip is doing a Prince tribute tomorrow night. Right. Um, the, the David Bowie sing-along last night with thousands of people uh, joining hands and singing some Bowie classics. And uh, a symphony orchestra is going to do um, uh, some of Bowie's classics on Saturday. Right. Well, have a fantastic time. Out of all of those, who are the band? Which band are you looking forward to seeing the most? Oh, there's a few. Uh, there's a little band out of Britain called uh, The Black Roses, which right. I'm a big fan of. Yep. Uh, but... Also, American guy called Mac DeMarco playing on Sunday night, um, which will be a good one, I think. Okay, and I'm with you on Madness as well. A bit of the old Scar two-tone and yes. punk. Totally get into I'm, that. I'm actually surrounded by a lot of British people here are fans of Madness. Do you want to hear a cheer from them? Yeah, please. <laughs> Mad for it. Loving it large. All right, mate, we'll keep your feet dry and we'll talk to you soon. So, here's our question to you. Who's the better band? Will it be Metallica or Guns N' Roses? On the Facebook page at MMM Rubber Room, loads of people voting. A lot of people can't believe this is even a question, like Sean Raffery, Ryan Hansen as well, David Rowe, Sean Niven. So the question had to be asked, who's the better band? Uh, Sammy X, you've tallied all of the votes, so there can only be one winner. Will it be Metallica or will it be Guns N' Roses? Well, Phil, the votes are in. One band did a lot better than the other. And the winner is. And the winner is. Metallica! It's Metallica! There you go, Metallica have taken it out. You may find this a bit disturbing. He helped me. Go! The rubber room.